Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me. 1 Peter, chapter 2, looking at verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. Where Peter, writing to the church, says... But you, you are a chosen people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's own people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, for this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we see a title called to be different, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable to realize that I'm I'm called to be different. I mean, we want to fit in. That just seems to be part of our nature as people. we We want to fit into the groups. I remember when I was a kid growing up, you want to fit in. I remember when our kids were little and periodically in the serving in the Methodist church, we'd be moved from one church to another, which meant we'd move from one school to the other. It was, it was challenging because you wanted, your kids wanted to fit in and you wanted them to be able to fit in. And sometimes when you, you move to a group, the groups were already formed and they may not want a new person to fit in. But we want to be part of the popular group. We we want to make a difference. I've shared with you before, my calling into ministry occurred when I was around 16 years of age. That's not a great time to be called into the ministry. I mean, that's a time when you're really trying to fit in. You're really trying to be part of the group. And, and sometimes it just felt a little awkward. Nancy and I started dating when we were 16. And, and, and we had some, some great friends. We would go to ball games together. We got the basketball games together, the football games together. We did a lot of things together with it large group of friends, but when they knew that this one guy was looking to be a minister that was called by God to be a pastor, we would begin to hear, well, there was a party. We would kind of overhear there was a party that we weren't invited to. Or there was a party that was getting ready to occur, or a, a sneak away to the beach that was getting ready to occur that that we weren't really invited to. And we invited all the other stuff, but there were certain things where we were going to push boundaries maybe that we were not invited to. It was kind of hard to be different. It was, to be honest with you, a little painful to be different. It's funny now that we run into some of the people we went to high school with you know, years later down the road, and, and, and they'll talk about how much they respected us, but it didn't feel like that then. It felt odd. It's one of the reasons I'm so proud of our youth program here at this church and the way there are just some great relationships that are formed here and these kids are learning how to be different together. 
And that's really cool is learning how to be who God has called us to be. But together, I'll never forget one of my early years here, and it's occurred almost annually since, that a group of youth will get together and ask to use the church bus for the prom. I will confess, even though I was called into ministry, that cross never crossed my mind. <laughs> Let's take the church bus to the prom. But I love the fact that here we're creating a culture that being different is okay. Showing up to the prom in a church bus is actually okay. But being called to be different can be challenging. Will Willimon and Stanley Hirawas, who were professors at Duke Divinity School, once wrote a book called Resident Aliens. And, and their point is, is that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so when we join up with God's kingdom and we become part of the kingdom of God, sometimes our world and, and the rest of the world, it's just not necessarily the same thing. And it creates a challenge to where we may feel like resident aliens. We live here, but do we really fit in here sometimes? We're called to be different. My prayer for the church today, my prayer for Christians today, individually, corporately, then together as the church, is that we can reclaim our identity to be different. We're called by God to be the people of God. A set-apart people of God that, that God is using. And being a Christian it's to be our essence, it's to be our identity, it's to be our being, it's, it's who we are, it's not what we do. Being a Christian does not mean I, I go to church on Sunday mornings, I mean that's part of being a Christian is that we worship God, and, and it doesn't mean simply that I go to a Bible study periodically, although we're, we're to grow in our faith and in our love for God and the scriptures of God, but being a Christian is who I am, it's my being. It's who I am on Sunday morning, but it's also who I am on Monday. It's, it's who I am at home. It's who I am at work. It's who I am when I'm at a sports field, or it's who I am wherever I am. Called to be the people of God. And together we're called to be the church. We're called to be set apart, a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. That's our identity. That's our being as, as we join together as the people of God. I pray for the church of Jesus Christ today. And I'm not simply talking about our church here at Weddington, but I'm not excluding it either. I'm talking about the church in general. I think the temptation for our churches today is that we want to be appealing to the world rather than making an appeal to the world on behalf of Christ. We want to be appealing to the world. We want them to like us. What will we need to do? What can we do to the music? What can we do to the sermon? Flash it up a little bit. We want to be appealing. But our calling is to make an appeal to the world on behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you see it throughout. When God called Abraham, God said to Abraham, I, I'm going to make of you a great nation and your descendants will be numerous and, and I will be your God and you will be my people. That's who we are. I'm looking for a relationship with you and, and you're to be my people. And when we study the Old Testament, so many people, I think, read the Old Testament incorrectly. We get so hung up on, well, there were so many commandments throughout the Old Testament, 
but, but we miss the purpose of the commandments. The commandments were not simply to go, you know, you, you, you've got to do all these things, and if you get the majority right, then you'll be okay in the eyes of God. That's not the way it works. I mean, the Ten Commandments, God was not saying, if you can score an 80, out of, 8 out of 10 of these things, you're in. I mean, isn't an 80 a passing grade? So if you can just get an 80. That's not what the commandments were designed to be, but rather... You're, you are the people of God. You are my people. You are set apart. What does set apart look like? Well, it looks like a people who understand that, that God is one and you'll worship God. That you'll keep the Sabbath holy. You won't take the Lord's name in vain. Being the people of God means that you honor your father and mother. Being the people of God means you love each other. And, and loving each other looks like that, this, that, that you won't steal, you won't cheat, you won't kill, you won't lie. You won't. That's what loving looks like. That's what being the people of God looks like. Peter picks that up here in his letter to the church. If you look back at the very beginning of the letter, 1 Peter 1.1, he tells you who he's writing to. He's writing to the church, house churches, that are spread throughout the Roman provinces like Galatia and Asia and other places around. But, but the people of God are now being occupied by the Roman Empire. They're, they're spread throughout the region. They're meeting in house groups. And, and Peter is writing to them and urging them to be holy. Not to forget who they are, but to recognize that they're called to be different. He says in 1 Peter 1, verse 15, he says, Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, and how you behave, how you live, be holy. Why? For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you're my people, you have my values. If you're my people, you act like I would act. He's actually quoting and picking it up from Leviticus chapter 19. Now I know Leviticus is one of those books of the Bible that, that you're just hoping someday that we're going to announce that we have a 32-week study on Leviticus. <laughs> but in Leviticus... Chapter 19, that book of laws and all those things. In Leviticus 19, verse 1, the Scripture says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's who Peter's quoting. He's reaching back. It's no different. We're called by God to be set apart in all of our conduct and the way we live our lives. Does it reflect that we are a Christian? Or like the old saying goes, that if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to get a conviction? Peter then goes on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and sets us up when he says, So rid yourself, therefore, of all malice. If you're the people of God, get rid of malice and all guile, and all insincerity. You're the people of God. Do away with envy and all slander. But instead, like newborn infants, long for the pure and spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, Come to Him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones... Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. Now, I love that phrase because he didn't say 
build yourselves into a spiritual house. But let God build you into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then Peter says to the church, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. But more than that, you are God's own people. In order that, you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Because once you were not a people. Can you imagine it? Once you were not a people. But now, by God's grace, you are God's own people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And we talk about that we're called by God to be set apart. We're called by God to be different. One of the things we have to be careful about, though, is that we don't see that as being called by God to be superior. We're not called by God to be better than. That's one of the critiques that we've often heard of the church is that people in the church try to act holier than thou. It's not that we're better than anybody else. We're called by God, though, to witness Jesus Christ. That's our calling. Our calling is to be the people of God, and that's only by God's grace. When God was talking to Jeremiah and called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was then a prophet for the people, God established a new covenant. Every time we join together at the table, we take the bread and the cup, we celebrate in the new covenant. But in it, he said, and I will be their God. You'll be my people. And I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. Paul puts it this way. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works. Not of your own doing, it's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8. I mean, the point being is, is we're God's people not because we did something. We're God's people because God did something. God set us apart. You are a chosen race. And, and there's a commission that goes with that. He, he doesn't just say, so you're the people of God and just kind of hang out together as the people of God. But in 1 Peter 2.9, listen to that whole verse again. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you're God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a calling that goes with it. I love the way Jesus put it. Jesus went up on the hillside one time and he sat down to teach the people. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 kind of give you the Sermon on the Mount. But while Jesus is there on the Sermon on the Mount, he looks out at the people and he goes, you are the salt of the earth. Salt. I love salt. I'll just go ahead and confess that to you. I enjoy salt. I had a conversation about this with the cardiologist I go to. I go to a preventive cardiologist. We had a conversation one day, and he said, you know, but let me just go ahead and tell you, the salt, is, you know, the salt that's really a problem for us is typically not the salt that's on the table in the shaker. It's, it's really how the foods are prepared and everything else. So it's like, great, I'll prepare it with less and shake on more. <laughs> not exactly what he meant, but I've always enjoyed just a little touch of salt, and uh, there was a time years ago 
well before I have the wisdom of a husband that I have today, I would sit down to eat dinner and I would always reach over, take the salt shaker and put a little salt on my food. My wife looked at me one day and said, but you haven't even tasted it yet. Now, I responded with, but I know how you cook. <laughs> now, I didn't mean it the way that came across. What I meant was, you like things differently than I do, and I know how you cook, and therefore, I just know to go ahead and add a little bit more. Not the way it was received. <laughs> My wife also has this special gift and knowledge that revenge is best served cold. <laughs> it was some time later that we were sitting down to have our dinner again, there were mashed potatoes on my plate. I proceeded, as was my custom, to reach for the salt shaker, and I just sprinkled a, a, just a little bit. Just a little bit, I promise. And then I took my fork into the potatoes, and it was a salt bomb. <laughs> just my serving. She hadn't done it to the whole thing, but just my <laughs> serving was a salt bomb. My mouth drew up and I knew at some point we're going to have to make eye contact. When I looked up, there was this smirk on her face. So you know how I cook, do you? Well, too much of a good thing, but salt by itself is just not good. If it's just salt, that's not the purpose of it. It's just to have a collection of salt. And when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, he didn't mean so. You all get together once in a while and have a salt convention. Just kind of hang out together as the salt. But he said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt is to make a difference to something else. It's not that you just consume salt for salt, but salt is to make a difference to something else. It changes something else. It enhances something else. And the church is called by God to be different. We're called by God to be salt, but not just so we can look at how great we are, but rather so we can make a difference in the world on behalf of Christ. Salt. But to make sure we get it. Jesus then followed up and said, and what nut, now that's the paraphrase, what nut would ever light a candle and then stick it under a bucket where you couldn't see it? When you light a candle, isn't the purpose of lighting a candle to bring light into what is otherwise dark? Isn't it to make a difference? So, so you are the light, he says, of the world. You're called by God not just to be light in and of yourself, so just kind of stick it under a bucket. No one would do that. God lit you to bring light to the world. We have a task. We have a calling. We're called by God to be different, but not just so that we can be together. It's to make a difference on behalf of Jesus Christ. Or as John Wesley, the forefather of the United Methodist Church, our Wesleyan theology, said that the task of the church is to spread scriptural holiness across the land. 
And I, I would love for us as a church to grab hold of that because he didn't just say to be appealing to the land, but to spread scriptural holiness, scriptural holiness across the land. You see, I, my prayer is that we reclaim our identity. We're called by God to be the people of God, individually as Christians, together as the church. But that is our identity. That's our being. That's our essence. And with that, there's a purpose behind it. God didn't just call us so that we could look at how special we are, but, but rather God clearly said, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our, our task is to point to Christ and Christ alone. Tom Langford, who had been the dean of Duke Divinity School, wrote a great article that we used to use with the Board of Ordained Ministry, and, and in it he reminds us, all of us are called to be Christians. God has called every one of us to be Christians. Every one of you, God has called into a personal relationship with Him. God desires for you to be a Christian. My prayer is, is if you have never made that, that commitment or if you've never received Christ into your life and, and if you don't have that personal relationship with who Jesus Christ is, that today would be the day that you would open your heart and you would receive that because God has called you to be one of His people. God has called you to be one of His children. God has called you to be one of His own. But then Langford goes on and adds the second thing. He said, and all of us are called to be Christian ministers. All of us are called to be Christian ministers. We're not the people of God just so that we can have our conventions on Sunday morning, but rather we're the people of God so that we can make a difference in the world and be in ministry in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All of us are called by God to be Christians, but every one of us, not just the people with the black robes and the stoles, but all of us are called to be Christian ministers. I love the way St. Jerome is quoted as saying, Baptism, baptism is the ordination of the laity. I love that sound. Baptism is the ordination of the laity. That when we profess Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are then ordained by God into ministry. Some may be set aside and in, to ordain ministry as clergy, but as Jerome said, all of us are ordained by God into ministry. You are called by God to be different. So I invite you this morning to think about who you are. Oh, there are so many of us that struggle with who we are. But hear the good news. This is who you are. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the marvelous, you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you into his marvelous light. Who is God calling you to be? Who is God calling you to be individually as a Christian, together as the church? But we are called to be the people of God.
just a few moments ago as I was wrapping up one of the earlier services. A young lady in our congregation came out and said, can I talk to you? And her eyes were watering and she goes, I just feel God moving in me in a way that I'm just a little overwhelmed right now. Can, can we get together and talk? Because this is just, I think God is calling me, using me. Well, God is calling you too. Because all of us are called to be Christians. All of us are called to be Christian ministries. All of us are called to be the people of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, you have a calling for each of us in our lives. You have called on us to be a holy people. You have called on us to be your people. You have called on us to be salt. You have called on us to be light. You have called us to be your people that proclaims who you are to our world. That makes a difference in our world. That seasons our world and brings light into the dark. God, we pray that each one of us here would hear your calling in our lives, individually as Christians, and then together as the church. You have called us all to be Christian, and God, we pray that each of us have received that grace. And if not, we pray, dear God, that, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out and that, that the one who's here or wherever may fill your embrace. And know that they are loved as your child. And may they receive you into their lives. And God, you have called each one of us into Christian ministry. Because we are your people. And we're to reflect that wherever we are and whatever we do. And so God, we just pray that you would help each one of us to discern how you're calling us. And how we can represent you in our lives and in our work and in our play or wherever we are. God, you have made us your people by your grace. And we desire, by your grace, to be faithful. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our altar is always open for the people of God. Will you stand as we sing?